welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Hey, stay, uh, stay, stay standing. There's something that we like to do at the beginning of this part in the service, and that's just say some positive things about ourselves. You know, I grew up in a family where my parents are always very intentional about helping us to communicate and talk uh, positively about ourselves. And so we want to do that as a church because my parents also happen to be the lead pastors of Elevate Life Church. And so we want to do that as a church family. So some people during this time, they, they put their hand on their heart, they raise their hands, they do whatever. But, but the words are going to be on the screen and I want you to say our transformation confession with me. Put it on the screen. Let's say it. I declare that I am created in the image of God. I am blessed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and take dominion. I declare that 2020 is my year of transformation. Things are not just going to change for the better, but 2020 will be my best year ever. I declare that 2020 double-double for me, double blessing, double anointing, a double portion of good things in every area of my life. I declare that according to Psalm 6511, that God is crowning my year with goodness and my path will drip with abundance. I declare that as I am taught the word of God and apply it, that I am wonderfully well and blessed and highly favored of the Lord. That's it. Give yourselves a big hand. And um, you can be seated. Thank you if you're new for indulging us because we just want to get in the right frame of mind and in the right frame of heart. I'm, uh, I'm Josh, I'm Pastor Keith and Sheila's son. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you, you saw me on the news. You know, one of the things I noticed that you probably didn't notice, but that maybe will be the last time you see that clip, is I had a nice little mustache hair just <laughs> peeping out, say hello. And uh, I got it trimmed since then, so you don't have to worry about that today. It's just my own personal observation about myself. Not sure why I felt the need to share that with all of you. But, um, but hey, uh, we're, we're starting this series called uh, Relationships. Um, but sometimes in our own personal life, we replace the uh, P with maybe another letter sometimes. And I'm not going to decide for you what letter it is that you uh, maybe swap around. Um, uh, but for those of us in this room, the 5% of us, 95% of us know in any relationship we go into, we are the problem. The other 5%, you're the solution. And uh, we're glad that you've joined us today because you might look at this series and go, man, like my relationships really aren't that way. Well, most of us probably feel like our relationships could be a whole lot better. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And what I want to invite you to do, if you have your Bible, if you don't, uh, we'll have the Bible on the screen for you. We also, there also is an app called the Bible app that you can download to your mobile device. If, uh, if you've joined us here in 2020 and no longer have a flip phone, we also have an app, an Elevate Life Church app that you can see all the notes. You can see everything I'm going to talk about today. You can go to live.elevate.life in your phone as well, see the notes, and in the YouVersion app, the Bible app that I just mentioned before I mentioned our app, if you're not confused yet. Uh, you, can see the, you can see the notes as well. So what, what I want to invite you to do is open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 4. And we're going to look at this passage of scripture that's known as uh, Jesus and the Samaritan woman. 
And uh, to give you a little background, I'm not going to read you the whole, the whole thing. There's a whole story here that goes from John chapter 4, verse 7, all the way through verse 42. And um, I'm not going to read you that, that much scripture. Um, but what happens is Jesus is traveling throughout um, Israel. And he, um, to get to where he was going from where he was coming from, he decided to travel through Samaria. And uh, if you know anything about Israeli Jewish history at that time, the Samaritans were the most hated uh, people group for, for Jewish people. Jewish people did not talk to them. They didn't spend time with them. They um, treated them poorly. They treated each other poorly. And there was a lot of different beliefs between them that they didn't share and they couldn't reconcile. So they had this bad relationship. So what most Jews would do is instead of going through Samaria, they would go around Samaria. And in this story, Jesus decides to go through Samaria for a very specific purpose that I think um, is true even for us today. And so I want to give you the context of this story. We're not going to read the whole story, but I want to give you some background information. So in John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, the Bible says, Soon a Samaritan woman, that's a person who lived in Samaria, came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He stopped at a well, said, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, verse 9, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Now she does what most of us would do in this situation, probably not understand what living water uh, is. There's not really context for that. We don't really engage with living water in our normal everyday life. We just have normal water. It's not alive, it's just water. Helps us stay alive. So in verse 11, she says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than his sons and animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, verse 13, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water and I will never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here and get water. So she's still not really getting what he's saying. Um, in verse 16, Jesus says, and this is where we get a little background information on this woman. Jesus says, go and get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the one you're living with now, you certainly spoke the truth. Like, I know that's true because I know everything about you. It's funny. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. She goes into this story. Then we catch up in verse 28. Okay, and in verse 28, the Bible says, in her and Jesus' conversation, okay, she begins to realize that there is something more here than just physical water. There's living water. So in verse 28, the, the Bible tells us that the woman left her water beside the well. She left her jug beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So then the Bible tells us that people came streaming from this village to see him. And in verse 39, it says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days. 
long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you have told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. So before we go any further, uh, let's just pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have, not just to be in church today and get to worship freely, um, but we thank you that you can speak to us right where we're at. God, you know where we're at in our relationships, you know where we're at in our life, you know how things are going, and you also know the things that we're deeply concerned with right now. And I thank you that you have the power to speak directly to us and today that it wouldn't be about even anything that's said from this platform, but you can communicate from your heart right to our hearts. So we just open up and we allow you to do that in this moment. In your name we pray. Amen. So, um, so today we're going to talk in the context of this, of this Samaritan woman. And I want to talk to you a little bit about water and, uh, and this, this, this journey that, that she was on, that we're on in life and how that affects our relationships. And so um, the title of my message today is The Thirst is Real. So some of you don't know what that is. You need to ask your millennial children or people that you know that are like, you know, younger. <laughs> I make a joke. So so back then, so I want to give you a little bit more context and we're just going to jump in. Okay, so back then um, in history, you know, when I, when I heard this passage talked about and preached and in Bible studies growing up, it was like, man, this woman must have been a mess because she blew up five marriages, right? And uh, some of that might be true, but also you have to understand historical context. In that time in history, women were only a little bit above like property and animals. Now, it's not that way today, but back then, uh, if you study ancient world history, even ancient Jewish history, that's true. And so a woman was never allowed to divorce her husband. Like you couldn't be a, you couldn't be a woman and say, Hey, like I'm done with this marriage. I'm out. I'm going to go be with somebody else. Now I'm going to go get married to somebody else. You couldn't do that. Uh, the husband had to be the one that decided to get the divorce and then handled it with the priests and all this stuff. And so the way I've heard this talked about my whole life is that this woman, man, she must've had a lot of issues. And that might be true, but I, I like to, in, in the, in, for the sake of our conversation today, I like to imagine it this way. This woman was on a search for meaning and significance. So all of us have issues. And most of us in the context of our life, you know, it's Valentine's Day. We just had a dance on Friday. We had a great impartation from Pastor Keith and Sheila on Wednesday night and everything's going good. And some of us that are in this church knew about that and we didn't want to participate because uh, there is not a P in relationship right now for us. There's another letter. And, and so we're not really into that. And some of us, we go into our marriages, we go into various relationships, we go through our life and we're looking, all of us are looking for significance. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you look like, what your background is, how much money you make, what your marriage looks like. We're all looking for purpose, meaning, value, significance. We're looking for things to make us feel significant. So a question that I want you to ask yourself today and, um, just to start is what is it that makes you feel significant? So in your life, what is it for you that, and there's not like a right or wrong answer right now, okay? So what is it for you that makes you feel valuable? What is it that makes you feel like you're important? What is it that makes you feel um, like you are significant? Is it a certain dollar amount that you make? Uh, is it this goal that you're aspiring towards? Is it when you add a level of value to somebody's life, when someone makes you feel like what you're doing for them is significant? Uh, is it attention from other people? You know, when I was in school, when I was in high school, especially, like some people just want attention. Doesn't matter if it's bad attention. It's like, hey, just attention. Attention makes me feel significant. Is it that? 
uh, is it being a good parent? Does being a good parent make you feel significant? Like your kids, you know, being well-behaved. You know, I always get nervous now because now Charlie's starting preschool and she's in daycare. And so I'm like, hey, is she like good? Is she like one of the good kids or is like a problem child? You know, I took, I took our dog to the vet the other day and I happened to see the notes on the little chart that they do for the dog. And um, what was the term? It was like, it wasn't like bad patient, but it was something like that. It was like, dog has issues. <laughs> uh, like not a good patient, not really gonna, you know, they gotta sedate this dog to trim her nails. It's ridiculous. It's, I don't, I don't see that as a reflection of my leadership, just so you know. Like, some of us have kids, we're like, ah, that's not me. That's not a part of like my, right? So, so for some of us, the significance is our kids acting right and me not having to get called in the principal's office. And I'm not there yet. Uh, with my dog, I'm there. But with, with Charlie, with Charlie, we're not down that road yet. But I'm like, hey, is she good? If not, like, that's not, that's not me or Courtney. That's just some, you know, <laughs> terrible thing about her that God's going to fix. <laughs> she needs Jesus. She's not saved yet. We're going to get her there. I'll just pray for her. So are you, are you a person that, that, that uh, you find significance in rescuing people that, 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 that maybe, maybe, you know, I had a lot of friends like this and I tend to be like this as a person that I, I love to take up other people's offenses. Like there's a battle that two people are in that I'm not even a part of and I'm going to pick a side and, you know, go after it. It's like, man, you didn't even have anything to do with this. Why are you so upset? Right? So some people find significance in taking on others' offenses and fighting battles for them. So maybe that's, maybe that's you and that's okay. We're going to talk about it. So in this story and in this region of the world, okay, water is really hard to, water is today, but especially 2,000 years ago, water was really hard to come by. Like we went to the store and we bought this stuff. I go get water right now. There's, there's water fountains in this building. There's water in the bathrooms. We don't live in that context, but back in that day to get water was very difficult. The Middle East is an arid place. It's very dry, deserts, all of that. So to find water, to go get water was something you had to do every day. So in this story, this was a normal daily routine for the people that lived in this region of the world that every morning or every day they would go get enough water for the day. They would come back. It was a very laborious process. And so water can be hard to come by just like significance can be hard to come by. Like I'm sitting here asking you this question and you might not even be able to answer the question. Like what makes you feel valuable? It's like, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of things that there's a lot of things that make me feel insignificant too. If I was going to address it that way, if I was going to come at the question from another angle, it's like there's a lot of things that people do or situations that happen in my life that make me feel insignificant. And so water, uh, for the sake of this story and the sake of our context today, this is, where, this is where I feel like we're at, is water represents significance. So in this story, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well and she thinks he's talking about physical water right? Oh, you don't have a bucket and the rope and the well is really deep. And where do I get this water? Jesus is trying to help her understand what he's saying. It's the same way in our life. So I'm going to talk about water today, but I'm not talking about water. I'm talking about significance. I'm talking about value. I'm talking about purpose. So Jesus was asking the question, what are you drinking? If water represents significance, what are you and I drinking? Um, everything that's alive on this planet, plants, animals, human beings, there's one common thing that we all need to survive and that's water. All life needs water. All people need significance. You and I, we need to live with a sense of importance 
and value and purpose. And that's not self-importance and that's not arrogance and that's not feeling like we're better than anybody else. But we do need to, to live with a transcendent cause. We do need to live with this idea that I was created for something. There's a, there's a reason why God put me on the earth. There's a reason why I'm in the marriage that I'm in. There's a reason why I'm living the life that I'm living. But here's, here's the problem. Just because something has H2O in it doesn't mean that it is water. So, so we're meant to pursue water and to pursue significance. Just because something has elements of water in it doesn't mean that it is water, like soda, right? So you've, you've heard me say this before, I love soda so much. I'm saying soda because if you say Coke, sometimes that can have a different meaning, right? <laughs> you say I love, <laughs> I'm not gonna give a sound bite, but I love soda so much you could substitute Coke in there and it sounds like, oh, that's interesting, you know? What's that like? Um, some of you would know. I don't, I'm not judging, I'm just saying. So soda has up to 99% water in, in, in different soda drinks. They have up to 99% water, but according to the World Health Organization, the more soda I drink, the more I can actually become dehydrated based on the caffeine content, whatever, everything else that's mixed in there. Um, if I drink this as much as I like it, you know, science tells us we should drink a gallon of water a day. Now, if you go drink a gallon of soda a day, you will find yourself at the doctor's office very quickly, right? So there's water in soda, but soda is not water. Um, even alcohol, alcohol has water in it, and alcohol can have the same effect along with various other effects that I don't know about, but some other people could maybe tell you about that. So let's talk about water. Let's talk just physically uh, about water today. So um, I did some graphs for you. So um, some of you, you haven't been to science class in a while and just wanted to let you know that th there's uh, pie charts that are available. So, so on the earth, this represents earth, 29% of the world that we live in, the earth, is not water. 71% of the earth is water. Amazing. 97% of the 71%, so if 71% of the earth is water, 97% of that water is salt water. 3% of the water that's on the whole earth is fresh water, which is actually water we can drink. We can't drink salt water. I'll get into that in a second. Out of that 3%, okay, 69% is in the ice caps and glaciers, 30% is groundwater, which means it's underground. 1% is surface water like lakes and rivers and, and water that it is that we can see. So in our life, you think about your search for meaning and significance. Most of us <coughs> want our value to be easy to find. We want our purpose to be easy to find. We want significance to be easy to find. But if you look at it in the context of just physically, okay, if you look at it in the context of just water, if you go for that 97% of water, it's really easy to find, you're gonna get yourself in trouble. If you go for the 3%, only 1% of that 3% is actually cr clearly seen. The rest, it's a difficult process to get to. Groundwater, you gotta dig down, you gotta build wells, all that kind of stuff. In this story, Jacob dug a well so that the people in this town could have water. That's called groundwater, right? Um, I'm not up here to give you a science lesson or talk about all this kind of stuff or biology, but much of our search for significance lies in trying to find it, find it as quickly and as easily as possible. 
And I think that quick and easy represents the 97% of salt water that's on our earth. And so many of us know that drinking salt water um, is not advisable. It's not a good idea. It's not something that you should do. So, so uh, for the sake of illustration, okay, I have two different waters here. Oh, they told, told me to do this because like we're not sponsored by this company. I don't know why they hide labels. Like sometimes you see pianos up here. I still have this question. I probably need to ask Clay. See pianos, they put tape over the logo. Like what is that, what is that supposed to accomplish? Anyway, so I'm covering the, the labels. So these, these are both water, but one has salt in it. This one has salt in it. This one doesn't. Many of us know that salt water is dangerous to drink and can kill you. But why is that? Because the way our cells are made up, our cells have water in them. Salt, when we eat salt, when we drink salt water, whatever, it pulls water from our, from our cells. And some, some, some salt is good. We, we need salt. But, but our kidneys, okay, the things that process the water, the liquid that we take in, actually require water to process water. So in order, the water that you drink in order to process that water, you need to already have water in your system. That's why the doctors tell you to drink water all the time. So when you drink salt water, our bodies actually lose more water than we take in, which causes the salt level to continually increase in the body. So if you drank salt water, you wouldn't be able to eliminate the salt. And if we continue to drink salt water, what would have to happen is our body would eventually have to eliminate more water than we drank, which we know is physically impossible. So what ends up happening is you die of dehydration as you actually become thirstier and thirstier. And I feel like this represents what Jesus is talking about. Okay, this woman finds herself in a position where what she is drinking, she, she believes that what she is drinking is water, but what she is drinking is having the opposite effect. Not only is it making her thirstier, it's, it's making her become more and more dehydrated and it'll eventually kill her. So if I um, take this salt water and I, and I decided I'm just gonna live on like a salt water diet, I'm just gonna drink salt water, right? That's worse than, <clears throat> that's worse than I thought. In this, just to wash it down. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, everything in moderation. You heard me say this a few, you heard, me, you heard me say this a few weeks ago. Some people are like, man, if you, you know, if you want to stop drinking soda, just stop. And then when you taste it again, you'll hate it. I just did a 40-day fast. I didn't drink soda or anything except water for 40 days. The first thing I did after I was done, I went and drank Coke. So some of us, that's not true, okay? <laughs> so in my life, if I, if, I drink, if I drink salt water physically... Okay, what begins to happen is I will actually become more and more hydrated while at the same time getting, getting thirstier and thirstier. And so what we're actually drinking, what we're drinking can actually make us thirstier. If water represents the search for significance, you have to be aware of what it is that you're allowing to make you feel significant. Because if you're looking at marriages and relationships and jobs and money and all of that to make you feel significant, what will end up happening is you will become thirstier and thirstier and thirstier and thirstier and not ever understand why what it is that you feel like is supposed to meet your need is not meeting your need. 
I can go from job to job to job, from relationship to relationship to relationship, and what I am choosing to find significance in can actually, over time, begin to make me feel less significant than I did at the start. This is what I feel like is this woman's journey. Five marriages. You imagine... (laughs) That's salt water, I'm telling you. I'm not drinking that other water either. That's carbonated. This is carbonated too, but it tastes better than... (laughs) Carbonated water? Like, get out of here with that. Anyway, (laughs) sorry. I just got really thirsty. So... <laughs> Some of us look at our lives and we look at our relationships and we find no value or significance there. We just don't, we don't have a, we're like, man, like, why isn't this person making me feel this way? And why isn't this per, you know, I'm, I'm finally making the money that I wanted to make and I don't feel any different. I'm finally at this level and I, and I don't feel any different. Like I have a friend that uh, his, his, you know, he grew up and he played sports in high school. And so, so much of his dad's some of you have this story. So much of his dad's significance came from his son playing sports. And so his son played sports so that his dad could feel significance. Right? It's like the worst kind of sports parent in history. Like some of y'all, y'all go to these like little league games. It's like parents out there screaming and yelling like they got freaking LeBron James. You know, like the score of this game is going to be 12 to 11. And it's going to be an hour long game. These kids are not great at sports. Okay. All due respect to everyone's kids. This is not the Olympics. We're not, we're not trying to win a gold medal here. But some people approach this stuff, why? Because it gives them significance. It gives me significance for my kid to be the MVP. It gives me significance for whatever it is for this to happen. It gives me significance for my, my spouse to um, meet these needs for me or for things to be a certain way. And so what are, you, what are you and I drinking? Like what are we looking at as our source of nourishment and significance? Because Jesus is looking at the woman at the well, okay? And he's saying, I'm gonna give you water that you'll never be thirsty again. And what does thirst represent in this story? The search for significance, the search for value. God created all this stuff. God created money. God created you and me. He created the world. He created relationships. He created power, fame, everything. All of these have elements of God mixed into them. All of these drinks, whatever drink that you can get up here, it has probably has H2O in it. That doesn't mean that it is water. That doesn't mean that it will actually hydrate me. Salt water has water and salt in it. That's all it is, it's not anything else. But because of what what else is mixed in with the water, the more I drink it, the worse it is for me. So my life, God created this other person. God created this person that I'm married to. God created this person that I'm dating. God created my kids. But if I spend too much of my time expecting them to make me feel significance, I will dehydrate myself, i.e. die with no purpose, no meaning, no significance. They will never meet that need for me. And so many people go through life and their relationships are a mess and their life is a mess and they don't have any kind of intimacy. They don't have any kind of closeness. They're always dissatisfied. They're always disappointed. There's nothing that anybody can do for them. Nobody can ever be enough. Why? Because the search for significance is not, a, not something that anybody else was ever supposed to meet for us. Yeah. 
And all of us have to get to the point in our life where we learn that because if I drink too much of this, it will kill me. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You can walk out of here today, say to your family, look, I don't buy into what Josh was saying up there. I think that I can exist on a purely saltwater regimen, okay? Your funeral will probably be beautiful. <laughs> you cannot escape that. You can't escape it. You can't go, well, that's not the way my body works or that's not the way that I am. If we drink salt water and only salt water, eventually we will die. What is Jesus saying to this woman and, and by extension to us? What he's saying is, is that you will never find what you need until you need me. Amen. You'll never find what you need until you need me. And so we're going through life and we need so much value and validation from everyone else. And people are exhausted with us because they can never give, they can never meet that need enough for us. They can never give us enough value and validation and compliments and whatever. It's like all those things that you feel like are just little uh, changes that your spouse or your friends or your boss could make to make you feel more valuable. They can make those changes and then you'll still be thirsty. Like you'll still be thirsty for value. You'll still be thirsty for significance because the need is not out there. The, the answer to the need is in here. And so some of us are here because we've come to the end of ourselves and in all of our searching, we haven't found what we're looking for. This is what we do as a church. There's so many people that walk into the doors of this church. They're like, I've tried everything else. I don't know what else to try. So I might as well try God. I'm starving, I'm thirsty, I'm exhausted, I'm tired. And I just feel like I need God. And that's, that's significant. Some of us are here because we have discovered that I don't need water and I just need water. So I don't need soda. I don't need water and salt. I just need water. So for me, being in the presence of God, being in the presence of people that love God helps me to understand what I need to be searching for. That's something only, only Jesus can give. And some of us are here, um, some of us are here because this whole Jesus and God thing is just part of our life. It's like, I'm in the South. I'm a Christian. In 2020, my parents were Christian. So you just do the church thing. Jesus is not supposed to be a part of your life. God's not supposed to be a part of your life. If, if, if we find ourselves in positions in life where this whole thing is not the main thing, then we will live our lives starving and thirsty and tired and worn out and a lack of fulfillment. It doesn't matter what you believe, it matters how we live. So if I don't live in such a way that I know where my, what my source of significance and value is, then it doesn't matter really what I believe. It doesn't matter what I hold to. If Jesus is just a part of my life and I haven't given him my whole life and I'm not about this thing, I'm finding significance somewhere else. So when we realize that only Jesus can meet that need, then we begin to realize that our role is to help other people's needs get met. So, so when I was uh, early on in my journey as a quote unquote leader, okay, just trying to figure it out for myself, there was, I uh, had a team of people. And so there were a couple different things that happened in, in this team in our student ministry at the time. Number one, I felt like my significance and my value as a leader came from making the team happy. So if all the leaders that I worked with every day were happy, then we were winning. That's not always true. 
right? Because sometimes we got to accomplish the mission. And all of us know that leaders sometimes make hard calls that they don't have to be made that are relatively unpopular. Well, I was really unwilling to ever make an unpopular decision. And I handled things a lot of times in a really passive, passive way and let other people say unpopular things. Why? Because my value and significance as a leader came from everybody around me being happy. I've learned how not to be that way. At 32, I care, but not that much. So there's a mission and there's a morale and there's all different kind of stuff. And then the other thing that was much harder was I had uh, people on my team that I felt like I was close to that didn't, um, that didn't create value and didn't make other people feel valuable. So I, I would, I would, I remember one time I had a, this conversation with my, with Pastor Keith, with my dad, and I'm talking about all these different leadership issues that I feel. And I'm talking about this other leader that I was working with. And I was like, you know what? If they just made people feel loved, if they were just nicer to people, if they just did this, if they just did that, then everything would be better and everything would be fixed. And it doesn't have to be this hard. If you catch yourself saying that, you need to stop. And here's why. Because any gap that you and I see that exists in the world, in our relationships, in our job dynamic, whatever, any gap that we see is actually a gap that we're supposed to fill because we're the only people that see that. And so in my life and in the world, if I see a lack of kindness, I can't sit there and go, all y'all need to be kind to each other. No, I just gotta be kind. I'm supposed to bring kindness to that situation. If I see a lack of excellence, hey, I'm gonna bring excellence. I'm not gonna make about what, what everybody else isn't doing. I'm just gonna model it. I'm just gonna live that out. Because whatever, like all of us have, here's one of the things we say here as a church. If you're new, you'll hear this a bunch, so I'm not gonna explain it. But all of us have a fingerprint that no one else has to leave an imprint that nobody else can leave. And too many of us are focused on everyone else leaving the imprint that we're supposed to leave. So we look at our spouse, we look at our friends, we look at our relationships, we look at our job, and we're like, why aren't you, why aren't you seeing the gap that only I see? They're never gonna see it. They're never going to see it. Why? Because you're the one that sees it. So you're supposed to bring the solution to that problem. But if you're not getting your significance from the right place, if you and I aren't getting our significance from the right place, then we will never solve that problem and it'll never be solved. And we'll go from relationship to relationship to relationship, job to job to job, friendship to friendship to friendship. You know, these people that like change best friends every six months, cause like you got to know me and I realized you weren't gonna meet my needs. So I'm gonna go find someone else that's just gonna love me for me. And that's something that's been said for, since the beginning of human history. Okay, it's not new for people to say, I just want someone to love me for me. Like I said a few weeks ago, don't do that. You love people for who they are. Don't expect people to be that way for you. Why? Because God loves you for you. And, that, and that's what we got to get to. Okay, this is the place we got to get to. The place we got to get to is stop making it everyone else's job in our life and in our world to validate who we are and to value who we are. People are not going to do that. God's going to do that. That's why you need God. That's what Jesus is saying in this story. What Jesus is saying in this story is you don't need five husbands. You don't need the guy you're with now. What you need is only the thing that I can offer you, rivers of living water that will flow from your soul and you'll never be thirsty again. You'll never be thirsty for significance again. You'll never be thirsty for value again. You'll never be thirsty for validation again. So you wanna fix your relationship? You wanna fix your life? Start drinking the right thing. 
And the, and the, only, the only place you can get the right thing is in, a, is in a relationship with Jesus, like a real one, not a fake one, not a pretend one, not a, oh, I listen to worship music every once in a while whenever I'm depressed, not whatever, not all these, not, oh, I come to church at least once or twice a month. That's not it. That ain't it. What's it is when we decide where we're gonna get our significance from. Cause that person won't be enough. The money won't be enough. It will never be enough until we realize that we need to know God. And by knowing him, we can understand the reason that he created us. Cause this is how most people live life. This is why relationships ends up being relation, whatever else. That's why they end up being that. Because every one of us as human beings, the greatest source of issues in our life is always people, right? And you've heard all the jokes and read all the comic strips and whatever. If there weren't people, then everyone would be happy. For sure, I guess, whatever. I don't know. I feel like I need people. But people wear me out, man. But I need them. But I don't, I don't want to need them, you know? I don't know. It's an issue. Just pray for me. So... So in our life, we go through life and we run into people and we see people that don't know what we know, don't realize what we realize and what do we do with that? Most of the time we just demand out of everybody else things that we're not willing to do for them and it just becomes this really hard, complex issue when really if there was just someone who was just gonna be unselfish and say, hey, I'm just gonna love you because I, I don't need your validation. I don't need, your, I don't need you to make me feel special. I already have all that because I have a great relationship with God and I know that he created me. If we can really understand that, if more people, I feel like if more people really understood for real, and I know this is so simple, but if more people really understood how much God loved them and, the, and just the meaning and purpose in their life, and the fact that, you know, you're alive today. God chose you for such a time as this. He put you on the earth at this point in history. Does that mean you're going to be famous? I don't know. Maybe it's not about that. But God chose you to be in your family. God, God chose you to be in the world right now. God chose you to, at this point in history, he said, these are the people that I'm going to have on the earth to bring my goodness, to, to bring my glory. But if they walk around expecting to find validation in each other, they're gonna miss it. If they walk around drinking that salt water, living life, you're just gonna be more and more thirsty like most people are. But there's gotta be, there's gotta be a group of people. There's gotta be some people that come along that say, you know, in Psalm, Psalm 139, the Bible says that we were knit, before, before we were born, God knit us together in our mother's womb. And every part of us he created. And we're, we're fearfully and wonderfully made from the inside out, from our physical body to our spirit person, to our mind, to our will and our emotions. And it's not about being something different, but it is about being the best version of us that we can possibly be and having a God that created us and that's for us, that wants us to win, that wants us to love people, that wants us to add value and significance to other people's lives. How amazing would that be? How world-changing is it when there's, when there's a person who says, hey, I don't want anything from you, but I just want stuff for you. So I know there's a God that loves me and that created me. And so, hey, we're gonna pay off your, we're, we're gonna pay off your debt. Do we want you to come to church here? No, nah, we don't care. Do we need anything from you? Do we need you to give in the next offering? No, we're just gonna, this is just who we are. This is how we roll. Why? We don't need any cred. We don't need any accolades. I mean, 
it's nice that the news came and did a story, but who cares at the end of the day? It's just another, another day of, of news. I'm glad that the church is in the news for the right things, but at the same time, we're not doing it for that. I'm not, I'm not doing what I do so that people will give me high fives. I'm not doing what I do so that I can build clout. I'm doing what I do because I know there's a God that's created me with giftings and talents and abilities. And I'm supposed to bring that to everybody I come in contact with. And it's not about needing something from, from them. It's about wanting something for them and saying, saying, I'm here for you. can be seated. We're, we're just about done, but this would fix everything because it's simple. Okay. I, I know because it's simple. It, it feels like, uh, I don't know if that's true, if it would fix everything, but I'm telling you that it would because it's, 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 it's simplistic. I mean, it's simplistic. It's not simple because it's hard to do. It's hard to live your life, not seeking validation from others. It's hard to live your life looking at your spouse and going, okay, there's certain needs for me that you're not gonna be able to meet. And I'm not gonna go find that somewhere else. I'm gonna look to God. Because we've chosen to be married. This is a covenant relationship. And we're gonna make it work no matter what, no matter what you are, no matter what you aren't, because it's not about codependence, it's about interdependence. And maybe there's needs that you don't meet for me, but there's needs that I can meet for you. And in the process of that, God's gonna work on both of us. It's gonna be amazing. But what we got to have in this moment, what I want to do is I want to give you an opportunity between you and God to maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time, let some of that stuff go and be aware of what you're drinking. Be aware of what you're seeking significance and value and validation in because it will mess you up I'm telling you it'll kill you. It'll kill relationships. It'll kill things that should work. It'll kill things that should be healthy. If I, go drink a, if I go drink a bunch of salt water today, I'm going to end up in the hospital if I'm not careful. But if I just say, hey, I'm going to focus on the right things, then I will get healthier and healthier and healthier. Can you just bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Because there's some of us in this room, like you're sitting there going, man, Josh, that's a lot of good talk for like the Christian people about leaning into Jesus more. But I just feel like God's a little bit mad at me. And I don't really, in my heart, feel like I have a right relationship with him. Maybe since you walked in, you can't even put it into words. Okay, God's just been messing with you in the best way. You just feel some kind of way in your heart, in your soul about what you need to do moving forward. And we wanna give you an opportunity to do what? To say, Jesus, I wanna follow you. God, I wanna get my validation from you. I know you created me. I know you've given me a purpose. God knows you exactly how you are. He knows all the great things about you. He knows all the not so great things about you. And he's not trying to condemn you. He's not trying to tell you you're a messed up person. You're just a person and it's cool. God's for you. And the, the way that we start this journey is just by saying, hey God, I'm gonna have a right relationship with you. I'm gonna choose Jesus as the first thing in my life. So if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're gonna pray all together in just a minute. But if that's you and you say, you know what? I, I need to have a right relationship with Jesus. And I just know I don't. I know that I'm not even really in my life. I haven't even really pursued that living water. That's you, just put your hand up. I'm not gonna count to three or anything like that, but if you just say, hey, I want you to count me in a prayer and now's this moment for me. You know, I feel like God's been leading me to this place. I'll give you an opportunity. You can put your hands down. I want everyone that can hear my voice just to pray this prayer and repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, dear 
Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I give you my life. Help me find my significance in you. In your name I pray. Amen. So, yeah, we can give those people a big hand. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.